Hey, listeners! Welcome to episode four of the Gotta Be Gaming podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Aaron, and here with me to discuss games of the past, present, and future is my co-host, Stephen. Hey, Aaron. Since we're new around here, we would love your support in helping us spread the word about this show. If you could leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, tell a gamer friend about us, or even just follow us on social media and interact there, we would really appreciate that. And with that said, we're going to just jump right in and start talking about the games. It's been a good week for us. We've had a lot of fun. And so we're going to kick this off like we usually do with the backlog. All right, man. Well, I am excited to talk about this game that I have played and finished in the last week and a half or so. It's always an accomplishment for me to finish a game, and I love that the podcast is driving me kind of to do that more. A lot of times I feel like I get burnt out, but for the podcast, I'm trying to play stuff in a quicker time frame, and I think that's helpful as well. But uh, this one is Final Fantasy XV, the Royal Edition that I want to discuss today. And Final Fantasy XV is an action RPG uh, made by Square Enix, as you would expect. It's part of the Final Fantasy series. It was released on PlayStation 4 and Xbox One in 2016 originally, and then came to Stadia as a launch title in 2019. Later, they put out this Royal Edition, which is what now is available on consoles, and it has an all-new dungeon area, it has expanded maps, it has a bunch of new features like a first-person mode, a bunch of new gear, new bosses, which I will get to in a little bit, uh, and then it has a kind of another new mode for just messing around with the action combat as well. It's really cool, honestly, and I'm glad that I gave this one a shot. What led to this, Stephen, is that I was trying to pick a game. I was like, I don't know what I'm going to talk about next week. And I was at gaming day with my friends, or gaming weekend, rather. And my buddy downloaded Final Fantasy XV. He said, oh, this this looks like fun. I played about 20 hours on the PS4. Now it's on Game Pass, which we all love Game Pass. Because all of a sudden you're like, oh, hey, this thing was free. <laughs> That's I'll check that out because it's free. If you're not subscribing to Game Pass listeners, you're missing out, really. I think it is incredibly worth whatever cost it may be. But a lot of us have it, you know, for a cheap cost because we got on a special deal. I would highly recommend it, though, uh, for the future. It's just they pump out content so, so often, man. It is so good. But he started this game up, and I actually didn't think I was interested because I don't love action RPGs. I always tell myself that I am going to love an action RPG, like Kingdom Hearts or something. And I used to, but now every time I try them, I'm like, no, I don't like this. I am a turn-based purist. And so I'm watching my buddy play this, and I'm like, oh, I'm going to replay Final Fantasy X instead. So I did. I bought it, and I started replaying it, and I got through about seven or eight hours of it. And then something in me said, you know, Final Fantasy XV looked pretty cool. Had a really neat story. And you liked the Final Fantasy VII remake action combat. So maybe, maybe you should just give it a shot. So I did give it a shot. I downloaded it. And after a two-day download period, because my internet was in complete fits for about a week and a half here, 
I finally got it installed and fired it up, and I couldn't believe how much I enjoyed this game. So before I start getting into all the specifics, I was going to ask you, have you played Final Fantasy XV, Steven? I have not. The whole Final Fantasy franchise is a complete blind spot for me. I think I fired Ooh. up Final Fantasy 3 on the 3DS or the DS back in the day mm-hmm. and played maybe for like an hour and traded it away. It's turn-based RPGs just aren't my style, so I tend Our to action? Uh, I don't really know if I've played too many action. I've never played Kingdom Hearts games. I've always wanted to, but mm-hmm. more because of the Disney skin on top of them. Yeah. It's made me want to do it, but usually I just kind of stand away from anything that's really kind of RPG-y, unless it has that Mario skin on top of it. Oh, okay. Have you have you thought about downloading the demo for the Final Fantasy VII Remake since it's there to make I sure have it, that out? I have it downloaded. I just haven't fired it up yet. Okay. I would love to hear what you think about it if you try it out, because it's a good idea of if you would like this game in general or not. Uh, but I, I mean, yeah, I get it. They're, they're long and the action RPG formula sort of this game, it plays a lot like an Assassin's Creed, honestly, the way that the combat is. I mean, you're running around the map and you just interact. There's no, uh, you know, rare and there's no surprise encounters or anything like that. You see what you're going to on the map. You can either run to it and start a fight, or you can run away from it and try to get to safety. So when I turned this on, the main hook for me from watching my buddy was the story, not the combat, of course, because I said I was a little worried about that. The story is about this guy named Prince Noctis. And we're living in this very modern world. And I, there's something that they did with this Final Fantasy game that I think turned a lot of people off. It was sort of intentionally branded at different times. You will see legitimate logos. Like you come across a cup of noodles stand and it is a legitimate cup of noodles. You actually can have a cup of noodles like in your inventory and eat it. Um, you camp in this game uh, is one of your save features. And while you're sitting there camping, displayed prominently is your Coleman tent and your Coleman chairs, you know. So I think there's an Audi car you're driving. You know, it's very obvious that they're branding it. And Gotta love that product placement. Some people don't like it, but you know what? The thing about it, man, is that it's like a modern day world, but with magic and people who use swords as well as guns. And so for me... Because these characters are in a world where they use cell phones and there's a news station broadcasting information, it's almost it's fitting, right? It's it's like this felt modern. It felt like this is real life. It could be somewhere in the world today that just happens to have a castle instead of a you know, government building of some sort. And so I liked it. It didn't bother me. It wasn't distracting, I guess I should say. But the story is about this guy, Prince Noctis, right? And he starts off and his dad sends him out to experience a road trip um, with his friends. He's got these three buddies with him, Ignis, Gladius, and Prompto. Great names. And they are just a, a complete cast of characters, like you would imagine. His dad apparently had this road trip with several of his friends before he took over as the king and Prince Noctis is going to go do this stuff um, and enjoy this time with his buddies. 
prior to hooking up with his fiance that he's about to be wed to, uh, she's, you know, some sort of magic user. She's called the Oracle. And there's like a, a you know, whole thing about the kingdoms coming together and peace being brokered through their marriage. There's a big political story to what's going on in the two kingdoms and why this is happening. But really, at its heart, the whole 40 or so hours that you main, that you put into the main story are about Noctis and his buddies. And what's really cool is they drive around in this car. It's called the Regalia. And when you travel from point to point, fast travel is actually not frequent in this game. So you'll often just be watching them drive this car. The whole time, though, they're talking to each other. And, it, it dude, it feels like a bro trip. And I'd, I wonder if it would resonate more with guys than girls, because it is very, it feels very much like what I have experienced as a male bonding with friends, you know? But for me, it drew me in to the characters in a way that I did, I was not expecting. You know, usually you're switching characters in and out of a party. In this game, you have just you and your three buddies for 90% of the game, which is really cool because when you're leveling them up, they're all staying about the same level for combat purposes. Um, that's one of the things that I don't like in a lot of RPGs. I'm actually started Persona 5 right now. Persona 5 Royal, actually. And it re- reminds me of that problem where I have 10 characters and I love them all, but I can't level them all up without grinding. Final Fantasy 15 doesn't have that because you're always together with this group. And you're always getting to know them. They have cool attacks that they can do together, like link attacks. So if you perform a certain series of combos in this fast action that you're doing, the screen will kind of go into a little bit of a cinematic real quick, and someone will come up and do a follow-up attack to yours. You can use a button to trigger special abilities for them. So, like, for example, Ignis, you can hit the button when you build up enough of a tech bar, and you get these, like, charges... And you can use a charge, and he will throw a bunch of daggers into all of the enemies in the area, and then your character will warp to each of them and strike each of them. And and it's just really cinematic, man. The combat is so fast. It's so fluid. Honestly, it's not super hard. It's easy enough to get that I don't think I could ever really master master it, but you can button mash and get by, which I'm a fan of. Um, the Royal Edition, one of the button, uh, bonuses from it is that it starts you off with quite a bit of items too. It gives you kind of some starter items that I think make the first 10 or so hours of the game a lot easier, which I didn't mind at all, frankly, because I enjoyed being able to quickly level myself up without having to worry like, oh, I'm going to run into this monster and it's going to kill me. So basically what you're doing is you're just traversing around what is essentially an open world game. And you're completing quests and you can progress the story at your own pace. And then it goes into a really unique structure where maybe two thirds of the way through the game, it kind of takes a shift and you leave this continent that you've been on where you've been doing all of these side quests and such. And the game warns you. So you get a fair, you know, Warning that, hey, you're going to leave this, and if you don't, you're not coming back for a while. So go ahead and wrap up anything you want to do. But then from that point on, the final several chapters are like just a rocket trip 
forward. It pushes you through one encounter after another, after another, after another, and it's cinematic and it's story. And I really enjoyed it because it got me like pumped up. My blood was just pumping really fast and my heart was racing and I wanted to see what was happening because the stakes were escalating at such a faster pace. And then what the game does is it introduces this another unique mechanic where there's a dog who's like some magical dog. Don't ask. It's Final Fantasy. And you can talk to the dog and the dog will let you go back to the past, which you can go back to the past, which is to the area that I was talking about where all the side quests are on that continent. And so you can complete more. You can go back to working on them and then you can use the dog to come back to the future and continue on progressing the game. So it kind of gives you an out <laughs> if you get you find yourself, uh-oh, I've started to progress this story at an incredible pace and I'm not leveling up enough and I need to go level. You can find a way to get back there and do that. So that was nice. Um, the other thing the Royal Edition added was a bunch of the boss fights, apparently. So I didn't play the original version. It did, didn't get a lot of love because of the structures. Many people didn't like it. I really did like it. The ending of the game, I guess, featured maybe like one mini boss and then the main boss. And people felt it was a little anticlimactic or something. I had to fight through five mini bosses <laughs> to get to the main boss. I was waiting to get on a conference call, Stephen. And because that's my, all my life is now is conference call after conference call. And so between conference calls, I took a break and I was like, ah, you know, I'm going to fight the main guy. I'm, I'm almost done. No, no, because I fought a boss and then there was another one and then there was another one and then there was another one and then there was another one. And you know, like games like this, you can't save in between. Once you're in this pipeline channeling toward the very end, you can't like stop. There's no, it just pushes you further and further and further. And I finished it, I would say, two minutes before my call. In fact, I actually logged on to the conference call, made sure my camera was off, muted the screen as the boss fight was finally ending, and then secretly, while I was on the call, was able to like get my controller and save the game and shut it down so I could finish my call. It was, it was maddening, but also very memorable. Um, not everything's great about the game, though. There's... Uh, one thing in particular that bugs me, the game doesn't make it clear when it's autosaving, and because of the lack of fast travel, sometimes you do, you know, it's fun to drive around in the car, it's fun to ride chocobos, you can ride chocobos in this game, and I've spent way too much riding chocobos, customizing my chocobos with different colors, trying to unlock different special thing attacks and abilities for my chocobos. I'm not done yet, I'm going to go continue to do that. Cause I enjoyed it, but eventually you like, you wish that you could just click on a place and go to that place. And unfortunately you can't do it quite like that. It's kind of not real clear how you can fast travel. And so, and, or when it auto saves and I ended up going through a sequence where I forgot to manually save and I lost an hour and a half and I was furious. It's ha it happened to me twice in this game. And that just is one of the things that I just don't, I can't, I just don't understand. Like if your game is auto-saving and I'm going through cutscenes and progressing the story, I'm accepting new quests. I'm doing all of these things that theoretically should trigger an auto-save in my brain. And yet for some weird reason, none, none were triggered. 
And so now I've lost an hour and a half of my life and I have to replay that. I just, a lot of times I've shut games down and never gone back to them because of that. Uh, luckily I pushed through, man, because this was just so amazing. I, I loved every bit of it. I loved the combat. I loved getting to know these characters so much so that I've already started to seek out the additional entertainment. So they wanted to kind of make Final Fantasy 15 a, a franchise. So there is a movie called Kingsglaive that is sort of a prequel to this. It's really pretty good. Uh, it features the voice work of Aaron Paul and I almost said Cersei. I was going to say Cersei Lannister, uh, Lena Headley, um, and also Sean Bean as King Regis, uh, Noctis' father. So it's a prequel. So and he then, dies, today, obviously. Yeah. I can't answer that. I can't answer that question. <laughs> it's a good bet that if Sean Bean is the character, he's going to die. So we all know that. And I'll just leave it there. But it's a pretty good movie. And then there's a five-episode anime series that goes into the history of the four friends before we meet them, which I haven't watched yet, but I plan on it. I'm excited about that. I just loved it, man. I literally came away from this game, this wild open world, which I don't like action combat RPG, which I don't really like and found myself feeling like it might be my favorite final fantasy game. It's, it's right up there with final fantasy eight and final fantasy 10 for me. And I'm so grateful for things like game pass where I get a chance to play this and the Royal edition, right? With enhancements and for free, it's amazing. And I highly recommend anyone who maybe didn't like this game on the first try to give it a second chance with the Royal edition. Or if you put it off because of bad reviews, go give it a chance. I mean, all it costs you is the time it takes to download it and try it out and see. And you can know within the first couple hours, if you're going to enjoy the combat and the flow of the game or not, to be honest, you really can. Um, it, it's so worth it, man. I, I loved it. I, I wouldn't trade it for the world. And I am just, addicted to these characters now they are it is some of the best story you will ever see because you really truly get to know them over the course of it and you feel connected to them so you have empathy and you care what's going to happen to them and to me that's what i want you know in an rpg did you feel connected to them like you did with your fire emblem characters is it kind of that came same level of attachment no it's not. And, and this is not, so Fire Emblem is like a, is like a benchmark. So that's a good one to bring up because it's kind of like my 10 of 10, right? Uh, because it mixes a perfect style of combat I do love with a perfect storytelling type of, you know, depth. It's not quite that deep, but there are, each of your friends has like a special ability to help you out along the way. So one of them cooks and it's really fun because when you camp, he can make a meal. And he's learning recipes along the trip. Like you, you pick up an ingredient and he's like, aha, I have thought of a new recipe. And you're like, I can't wait to try it. And then that night he makes it for you and it shows your characters on the campfire eating that food and chatting. And one of your other characters is a photographer. So he's taking pictures all of the time. And when you save each time, it brings up all the pictures that he took since then. And you can save some of them if you want and share them out. But it's just it's just a fun way you're like oh man that's a cool shot of me fighting that monster like i would have never stopped in the middle of combat to see that but i've got a shot of it or you know your friends doing something cool together uh and then, then another one gives you survival buffs for just doing stuff around the world like 
mining and other little things that help you, you know, get picking up magic nodes, etc. Um, your character is a fisherman, so you can fish. And of course, you know, you can try to go for records or try to catch rare fish that can be used. One thing I will say, though, I guess if there's another lacking thing in this one is magic. Magic is not very existent in this game for your player character. You have access to three spells, thunder, ice, and fire. And you can only equip them in groups of three. So once you've exhausted the three bursts, you would have to go into a menu and re-equip a new one and, and or craft the vial of magic in order to do that again. It does have a cool system that allows you to put catalysts in. So like you can pick fire magic and you can put in some random catalyst stuff that gives it abilities. Like you can make an experience fire magic where every time you use it, it boosts experience by a hundred times or something. It's crazy. Like it's, it's a little, it's in depth, but it's not that useful to be honest, other than maybe like in the experience time and you're grinding or something, but there's just, it doesn't seem like something you want to use because you have so many cool weapons that you're just, it's melee focused, you know, for that reason. And, um, your character has this warp strike thing where he basically shoots across the screen and hits something in the air and then launches into a melee group of attacks. And it's just so cool looking that you really want to do that more than lob a fireball three times and then have to stop what you're doing to go create more fireballs. That lack of magic kind of makes me maybe a little bit more interested because usually with these fantasy RPGs, I don't like that fantasy element, I guess. The idea of dealing with magic, dealing with potions, dealing with, you know, dragons and wizards, they're always, that's kind of a turnoff for me. So that's why I kind of like that this game is kind of more of a modern day setting. It sounds like you don't deal too much with the magic and stuff like that. So Maybe it is something that, since it's free on Game Pass, I will probably maybe just download and see what it's like, just to kick its tires and see what it's up. Yeah, man, I I highly recommend it. It is, I just, I would never have told you this would happen. I would have, I would have argued with you and told you, no way, that is not my style of game. And I'm not into this new version of Final Fantasy that they're taking it. And I, instead, it just made my anticipation for the remake of Final Fantasy VII even higher and I'm expecting absolute greatness from that game as well. So there you have it. That's what I was playing a lot of a lot, a lot. And I'm not done by the way, because there's these huge monsters in this game that go all the way up to like level 99. And I'm, I don't know, I'm like in 55 or something right now that you can go do. You're doing monster hunts as well in the real world. That's part of the questing that you can do. And these huge monsters you can go fight. It's almost like having a solo four person party experience of monster hunter where you're literally fighting monsters that are as big as the screen, just like you would in monster hunter, but you don't need an online party of friends to go take it down. You can do it yourself. There's one beast in this game, bro, that has 5 million hit points. It is the size of a mountain And it is an hour to two hour long fight in order to take it down. It's a matter of endurance. It's not a matter of like being strong enough because the combat is not too tough. It's just you have to do it for two hours in order to take it down. I'm tempted to try it. I don't know. (laughs) We'll see. I'll report back if I try it now. Yeah. Now that I've put it out there into the public world that I am considering it. Yeah. We'll see. But I, it's, it's a game that 
I beat the story of, and I still want to go back and experience more of what it has to offer, which again, not the norm for me. So I, I'll stop there. I could gush about this game forever. What about you? What have you been playing lately in your backlog? So I decided to fire up a game that I rented a ton as a kid from Blockbuster. I never bought it, which I don't know why, but I just rented it all the time and played it a ton as a kid. And that is Looney Tunes B-Ball for the Super Nintendo. It is a two-on-two arcade-style basketball game that was released in 1995. Um, This past fall, I was like, I want to start upping my retro game collection. So I went on eBay knew that this was a game that I bought. I played a ton as a kid, so I was like, I'm going to buy it on eBay. So I got it there, and I played it on my Super NT that Analog released, I think, a couple years ago. Decided to put down some money for that and so I can play my Super Nintendo games in HD. Um, like the title suggests, you play games of basketball as Looney Tune characters. Um, so yeah. basically Space Jam. Space Jam, it's the video Space game. Space Jam each... It's Space Jam meets NBA Jam, so it's Space Ooh. NBA Jam. Interesting. Like, so there's special powers coming that you're going to tell me about? Oh, like, we're going to get into those. Okay, one. okay, I'll stop. I'll stop rushing. <laughs> no problem. No problems there. So in this game, you have eight characters to choose from, and each has a variety of skills that they excel at. For example, Bugs Bunny, his best attribute is shooting. You got Daffy Duck, who's got defense and stamina. Elmer Fudd, who's, his top is shooting. Wiley E. Coyote, his top is stamina. Taz, the Tasmanian Devil, he's not really, doesn't excel at anything. He's just kind of mediocre. You got Yosemite Sam, who's got three-point shoot expert. Uh, Sylvester the Cat, who's got good at stamina. And Marvin the Martian, who's good at three points and speed. Interesting. <laughs> Each character also has a special long-distance shot and a special defensive mood. For example, Elmer Fudd, will, uh, when he wants to shoot his long-distance shot, and those are determined by anything um, behind the midcourt line, mm-hmm. um, he will throw the ball up in the air and he'll shoot it with his shotgun to kind of propel it into the hoop. And for on defense, if you hit his special, he will transfer to his classic opera Viking costume and shoot a... Uh, lightning strike to this whoever has the ball so he gets turned into dust basically interesting sounds a lot like the mario tennis super ability type thing too where <laughs> yeah it sounds like an it sounds very much like a nintendo first party game yeah which surprisingly it's not i think it was developed by sunsoft hmm. back then. interesting uh some other special moves i made that i thought were kind of fun was uh marvin the martian for his long distance shot he will put a magnet on the ball and just kind of goes shoot straight towards the hoop. Um, Bugs Bunny, for his defensive move, will change into a female character and kind of distract the opposing team with his good looks, and your eyes shoot out and bugged out, and then he just steals the ball while you're um, distracted. Uh, to use these abilities, you have to get money, so you can't just keep spamming the buttons over and over again throughout the game. And you get the money by collecting these gems that will randomly appear on the court, and they're different colors, have different values, but... That, the value to me never mattered. I just grabbed whatever I could, and there's you kind of cap what how many you can collect to determine the stuff. Is there some narrative reason for there to randomly be gems on the basketball court? Yeah, there's no narrative to anything. Okay, <laughs> never mind. It's just... <laughs> Sorry, that's a bridge too far. <laughs> yeah, this is early 90s arcade game, man. It's There's no reason for anything going on here. 
but you want these gems because there's other abilities besides just these the long distance shots and the defense. You can take a pie and throw it in your opponent's face. That'll distract them so you can run right past them. Or you can get a bomb that you'll pass back and forth, kind of play hot potato with it, and whoever it explodes on turns into dust. So it's just kind of fun things to do that kind of help make the gameplay a big variety. Uh, there's just two modes. It's just a quick play and a tournament mode. The tournament mode, you just play six games. Once you lose, you're done. And it takes you through locations that are kind of popular through the Looney Tunes cartoons like Albuquerque, Burbank. And one I was surprised that was popular was Walla Walla. I didn't know Walla Walla, Washington was had ties to the Looney Tunes. Wow, that makes me want to look that up and see if there's some old cartoons with Walla Walla in it. Oh, there is. I looked it up. It's uh, I think it was Daffy Duck was a Walla Walla wishy-washy uh, dishwasher washing machine salesman or something like that. That's what it has to do with. Oh my goodness gracious. What a weird random thing to choose to put in the video game. Yeah, yeah, I didn't know it was that way. And I have a coworker from Walla Walla, so I said to him, he's like, whoa, we're famous. And he was just shocked because I sent him the clip from the cartoon. I mean, they're famous for their onions, which is, but not Looney Tunes. That's so strange. Yeah, it was shocking to me. I didn't know why that happened. In regards to the game play itself, the games go really quick. There's two minute quarters. There's a shot clock, but that never came into play. So I mean, four quarter you get you within a game within ten minutes, and then you're just back up in playing another game once you're finished. The games are high scoring. Usually I'm scoring seventy, eighty points a game, mainly because I'm shooting a lot of three pointers, which lately has been a problem for me because that's why I'm losing. I feel like because I'm not playing a well rounded game. I'm just shooting threes and trying to get the high scores so that means it's causing me not to win like i felt like i did when i was a kid i'm just struggling like crazy right now but it's still fun even though i'm losing games i'm still wanting to keep playing enjoying the competitiveness of each game having fun seeing what the opposing team is going to do with their special moves how i can use mine it's just a game that i feel like it's just a lot of fun to keep playing I don't know why I'm bad right now. I don't know if it's because I'm shooting the threes or I haven't found that perfect combination of teammates that I yeah. want to be. Because right now I've been playing a lot with Elmer Fudd has been my main guy because he's good at overall shooting. But mm-hmm. I've kind of rotated with Yosemite Sam, tried doing the Marvin. Like I, but I, sometimes I'll, I'll win a game with Elmer Fudd and Yosemite. I'll blow the team out. Next game I'll lose by a ton. It's just like I don't know what, why I can't get that connection like i feel like i did when i had a kid when i was a kid because it wants you to keep putting quarters in it that's why yeah because <laughs> <laughs> it's designed that way yeah the, just the games just yeah giving the computer the advantage when it shouldn't be giving them the advantage interesting do you know if this one is on sns for switch online no is it's it, not it's not a first party game so okay so it's one people would have to like hunt down at a used game store or something. Yeah, find it on eBay or GameStop with their used games. Cool. But yeah, and like one game this week I had was uh, had a game the other night. It was double overtime game. I had a shot at the buzzer to win at in the end of regulation and in OT, but I lost the game. But I tried my distance shot. Elmer threw the ball up. He just couldn't get it in with his shotgun. Well, you know, that's the breaks, man. It's March Madness. Even if we didn't get to watch any real basketball, you're experiencing the heartbreak of March Madness yourself. Yeah, that's kind of what led me to want to play this game was I missed getting my basketball itch and wanting to 
find something to, yeah. that reaches it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, cool. That's a, that's a neat one to have been messing around with for sure. I didn't even know it existed when you told me you were going to talk about it. I was like, what are you? That's not a real game, but I guess it is. I don't think many people like knew about it. It was just kind of maybe a game that was just under the radar, probably because it probably came out. I don't know when NBA Jam came out, but it was probably around that same time with the Sega Super Nintendo time frame. So I'm that's sure probably everyone played instead. Yeah, just they're trying to capitalize on something everybody liked and make it into a fun version, a little kitty version of it. Yeah, well, cool. Well, if you're ready, we will transition into something else, kitty, for our <laughs> what we're playing <laughs> yeah, section. All right, like the rest of the world, and I do mean the rest of the world, Stephen and I have been putting in the work the last week and a half in Animal Crossing New Horizons. This is a life simulation video game that was made by Nintendo. It's the fifth main series title in this series. It was released on the Switch uh, March 20th, and immediately has sold like gangbusters. It is breaking records like crazy. And it is bridging gaps all over the place. I have more people asking me about this game, Stephen, than I ever knew even new video game consoles existed. So this is what the Switch is designed for. This is this is when Nintendo is at their best, is games like this that just cross over mainstream and everybody and their mother, literally their mother in your case, knows what yeah, this is. Yeah, my mom is playing it. Yeah, it's amazing. It's it's crazy how I can do that. Um, you know, if you're not familiar with Animal Crossing, I guess let me give a quick little rundown of what it means by life simulation. You are a character who shows up on an island in this game and you get a house and you take out a loan for that house from a raccoon dog, a tanuki named Tom Nook and you end up having to try and pay him back while also enhancing your island and making it interesting for other characters to come live on. There are a host of other characters. I would say probably well over 300 other characters, and they're all anamorphic animals. So monkeys, frogs, bears, cats, dogs, etc. All kinds of zoo animals, everything you can imagine, really. And they all have unique personalities, and they they have different desires, things that they like to do in their spare time. And essentially, you're worrying about, you're working on getting your island ready to have them come live there. And in the meantime, you're just, you're doing chores. Man, this, is, this game is about chores. It's about cutting down trees and planting trees and harvesting fruit and catching fish and catching bugs and filling up your museum with those fish and those bugs because we're all completionists at heart and you are hitting rocks and getting ore and then you're crafting new items because that is another huge part of this game is expressing yourself creatively with the things that you can learn so you learn these recipes and you can craft them make your house look the way that you want it to look and then you can have your friends come over and visit Um, and there's all kinds of like fun little events that are going on throughout the year. This being the first one that Nintendo can ever hold those events online. So in the past events have 
all lived on your cartridge for Animal Crossing, right? And so you could do what's called time traveling, which is go forward in time, change the date on your console. So you're breaking tricking the law. It. Breaking the law. It is breaking the law. We're both very much against it. It is so in Animal Crossing, you also are playing on a 24-hour real-time clock. So when it is nighttime where you live, it is nighttime in Animal Crossing, etc. And your shops are, you know, open from 8 a.m. to 10 p.m. or 9 to 9. They don't just stay open 24 hours a day. It's more realistic. And so you kind of play around the time. Different things can be caught or done at night than can be done during the day. So some players will time travel in order to experience content or catch fish that may not be available in the month that they're in uh, ahead of time. But the events are locked this time because they don't actually get pushed via an update until right before. And we got to experience the first one. We actually waited to podcast because we wanted to be able to be able to talk about this Easter event, this bunny event that Animal Crossing is running right now. Uh, but I, I feel like I'm going on too much. So Stephen, history with this series, I have played all of these games. I have put in hundreds of hours in the past games, and I knew that I was going to love it. I was highly anticipating this game. Where are you coming to Animal Crossing New Horizons from? So I've only played the two, well, the, I played the DS game and the 3DS game. So I've only played the handheld iterations. I didn't play the GameCube or the Wii U one. I don't know if there's, a, I don't think there's a Wii one. Wii. It was a Wii, like a regular there was a Wii. Okay. Mm-hmm. And there was that happy home designer somewhere. Didn't That's play like that one. That's like a spinoff. Yeah. Yeah. And then I have it on my phone. I haven't, That's different. I've, I've downloaded it, but I haven't touched it. I don't think I've even launched it after downloading it. And I've had it there since launch day. It's but. not real Animal Crossing. It's different. It's like a, it's just a kind of, it's, it's like a, just a collection sim. It's very different. You don't, it's not a full Animal Crossing game. Yeah. So yeah, I played a little bit of the handheld ones, probably 20 to 30 hours in each one. Not too much. So how do you like it? Like, how has it felt playing Animal Crossing for you? I think in my head, I like it a lot more than what I'm actually doing. Like, I have these grand ideas for my island, but then going through and executing those ideas, you can't because you never have enough money to do those ideas because of that dang Tanuki raccoon, Tom Nook, who wants all the money to upgrade your house. So it's it's kind of a weird game. I like, I mean, I spent all day, I think Sunday, just knocking on every tree with my rock hammer just to get wood. Spent all day. Just knocking on wood, just trying to get my wood pieces and running away from bees whenever they would come and attack me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's that's what I mean by chores. So, you know, my general flow in this game is I will get on usually if I can before work or whenever the first chance I get is and I do my dailies and and I run around the island and I hit all my rocks because you can hit them once a day and you can collect ore and then. One of your rocks will even give you money. And so I do that. And then I collect all of the tree branches that are on the ground because that's a crafting material. And your village will have weeds. So one or two weeds will pop up each day. So I make sure I find those, get rid of them. Part of your museum is fossils, uh, creating these dinosaur fossils. So I will dig up all the fossils and go and turn those in. I will check for packages that are floating in the air and shoot those down or if i see any new fish or any new bugs that i'm not familiar with i'll try to catch those 
I'll check and see what's available in the store to buy. And ultimately, this game takes things a little further because you're not just trying to pay off your house. So you're earning this currency called bells constantly for everything you pretty much do. And you're able to buy clothes. You're able to buy furniture. You're able to buy your tools. You're able to buy flowers and stuff. And you're also able to pay off your house. So you start with like a tent and you get this loan from Tom Nook. And then when you pay it off, he'll upgrade you and give you a little, a bigger house, like a small house with one big room. And then you can get a second room and a third room, etc. And each time you've got to pay him more and more money. Well, what this version of the game has added is the ability to kind of really terraform your island in different ways. It allows you to build bridges and it has a tiered approach to your island. So like mine has three levels. Well, in order to get up those, I have to have a ladder. If I don't want to use my ladder, which takes a couple of extra seconds, I can build an incline so that I can just run up that section. So I'm currently building an incline. I got to pay for that. So all of these things cost money. So the, the cool thing about Animal Crossing is it's not a game you beat in a matter of days and then you put it away. I was actually telling you this offline once because we you were frustrated and you were talking about how Dang like fish you were. So as we kind of alluded to fish and bugs will come on a seasonal cycle. And so, for example, at the end of each month and the, the end of March, there are certain fish and bugs that were going to disappear and not come back for several months. There are a handful of rare fish, and one of which was extremely rare and very, very hard to catch. And Steven and I put in a lot of work trying to catch this. I, You were upset because you were like, well, why is everybody doing this? And you were kind of caught up in the moment and doing it yourself because you're a completionist. And I was like, but don't forget, man, people are going to be playing this game in December to get this fish again. And you're like, why would they do that? But that's what Animal Crossing is. You don't finish it. You just keep put the game away, people. Just yeah, no, away. no, that's not what we do. You just keep going. Um, And and so, like, for me, I wanted that fish. Right. And I am so dedicated. I tried for about six hours, two days before on and off different both days combined, six hours and then couldn't get it. Pretty sure I encountered the rare fish a couple of times, but it got away. The last night, I started, I think, 6.30 local time trying to catch this string fish. And it's all over Twitter. It's all over articles about how mad people are they couldn't catch this fish. I went through 150 plus fish bait, which just makes a fish appear randomly, trying to get this fish. My buddy... His island, he had caught so many rare fish. I have no idea what it was. He'd caught like four or five of these string fish already. I want to go to his island. That's what I said. So he was like, dude, I'm going to get you. We got to get you this fish. I'm buddy, my buddy Jeff. So he invites me over to his island. He's like, do this. This is what I did. And so I started doing his routine, right? I did his routine till about 10 o'clock, 10, 15 at night. And finally I was like, man, it ain't going to happen. Like, I'm just not meant to catch this fish. I, for, so I'd almost given up multiple times. So I went home. Knowing that, you know, two hours from now, this fish is going to disappear and I cannot catch it in my game until December, actual December of this year. I was so frustrated. Five minutes later, he texts me a picture. He had caught a freaking string fish. After I, left. <laughs> nice. I was furious. And so, I mean, I literally wanted to throw my controller. I was so mad. I was like, why game gods are you against me? 
and he was talking to me and he's like, I'm tired. This is like 30 minutes late. He's like, I'm tired. I really want to go to bed, but I want to stay up with you if you're still fishing and you better still be fishing. And I was like, I'm still fishing. So I was fishing on my island. I went to a mystery island, tried to do that. No luck there. Yeah, that, doesn't to my, work. that does not work. It doesn't. Got back to my island at 11.15, Stephen. I caught a string fish. 45 minutes before this thing disappears. I hate you. Seven, eight months. I know. Nine months. I know. I know. It's okay. You can hate me for this. I couldn't believe it. I lost my mind. And this is what happens in this game. It's 11.15 at night. I have tried for an actual, like, five hours that probably fished for almost 11 hours trying to catch this fish. And, of course, I've, I've been successful in catching other rare fish in the time period. So it's not a waste. And I've made money off of selling them. But just couldn't catch this one. I leapt into the air, ran around my house screaming into a blanket so that I wouldn't wake people up, just freaking out, saying, let's go, let's go, let's go, and a whole bunch of curse words in there, too. But I was extremely excited, and and that's what it is. And then, you know, the next day, there's new fish to catch and new bugs to catch to try and complete my museum. And so that's what gets me hyped. But then there are other people like my daughter and my ex-wife who play this game and it's all about like designing their towns. And that kind of speaks to what you were saying, right? About how you got all these grand plans of what you want it to look like, but it takes time. It takes time. You got to get the recipes. You got to craft the stuff. And they have amazing looking islands already. They have like creative brains and like these really neat little pathways leading up to their homes and all this cool stuff on display outside. And I'm like, man, I, I just threw all my junk down because it looks cool. You know, I can't make it like actually nice, but um, I I love that you can express yourself in the game with what you're wearing and what your house looks like. You can invite people over and show it off. It's a lot of fun. Um, do you, I wondered, so now that you've put in, I think I 25-ish, 30-ish hours yeah, I think or I'm so? I think the 20 20 hour range. I think you're like at the 40. I looked at yours and you were like at 40 and I was like, no, oh, I'm over. Man. Yeah, I'm almost at 55 now. But let's not talk about let's not talk about that. That's called obsession. And I'm not by any means. I know people who have way more than me. But yes, I am still working. <laughs> I'm not totally quarantined to the point and where I don't have a 40 job. hours of the Final Fantasy. And I put 40. Yeah, that's right. I was doing the same. I was doing them together. Oh my gosh, there were not a lot of sleep, but it was worth it. Um, but my question is, do you think that you will continue playing this for? several months do you think it's going to stick for you like what does it make you feel like when you were playing this game uh honestly frustration that's fair i will keep playing i don't know if i fired it up today yet but i did fire it up yesterday i'll fire it up daily probably for the next month and then we'll see if i keep going daily uh just to you know fire it up go talk to my citizens because if you don't talk to them they could get angry and move away so want to keep my citizens except for maybe the hippo i could probably lose the hippo but uh yeah you just gotta keep doing the daily events you know like you said knock on the rocks get the wood look for fossils i like hunting the fossils i'm a dinosaur guy so i like finding those fossils nice uh, talking to the bladders mu- all that stuff yeah the museum is really cool in this one it's uh it looks really good i've played the older games and it used to just be kind of a wall <laughs> like a flat wall with each thing up against it, this one's like all very 3D and just beautiful environments. And you can see different fishes and different habitats like together. Or you have like this one big butterfly room where all your butterflies and 
moths and stuff are flying around together. You can just stand there and take pictures. It's awesome. Uh, the other big feature in this one that's new, by the way, is called Nook Miles. So you can take trips to other islands. They're called Mystery Islands, and you never know what you're going to get. Sometimes you might get an island full of tarantulas. That exists. Sometimes you might get a bamboo island. Sometimes you might get an island with a different fruit than the one that is native to your island, which is a luxury and a great thing. Because you can come back, you can plant it on your island, grow it, sell it for a lot more money than you can sell your own fruit for. And you can catch sometimes more rare fish, um, just all kinds of cool stuff. It's just like a little vacation type resource gathering experience, I would say. And these nook miles are gained in what I would only call is like a daily quest system, it seems like. So as you're completing tasks, you will have a rotating five dailies, essentially, that you can complete for a small amount of these nook miles, which you can spend on upgrades, like unlocking hairstyles, or the ability to change the way that your phone in the game looks, or special outside furniture like gates and fountains and all kinds of random stuff you can spend it on. Uh, upgrading your tools to more sturdy ones. These nook miles can be spent on these things as well as tickets to fly to these mystery islands. So you're earning this currency as you're doing your chores, which I feel like is such a great addition to the game, man, because it like it gives you that sense of accomplishment when in you're chopping down a tree and you really need 50 wood, but you get a ding, you hear a ding go off and you get a reward for having chopped down five. It's like a, an endorphin rush, right? It like pushes you forward. And then there's bigger goals that you're achieving as well. Like, Oh, I made, I have a, a, a fishing story, right? Where my buddy achieved the cast master label. You can, you put the title, I should say is what it's called. So he can call himself a cast master. You have three levels of this specific goal. Catch 10 fish in a row without fumbling one, without messing it up. Catch 50 fish in a row without messing it up. Catch 100 fish in a row without messing it up. Let me tell you, you know how hard it is to catch 10, 100 fish in a row without messing it up? It's insane. Impossible. It's impossible. He did it. He did it. But <laughs> he can't. He failed several times. And he actually told us in our chat that he was like, I wasn't going to tell you until I was done because I didn't want to tell you and then not get there. And he, he had a couple of really painful ones where he lost it late in the game and had to turn the game off. He was so upset and then come back to it later. I attempted it, man. I got to 49 and messed up. Because one? Uh, no, it doesn't matter. Once you messed up, it resets completely. Uh, to zero. I wasn't sure if the, the next achievement was that 50 or what was the next? Oh, yeah, 50. It's, okay. it's 10, 50, and 100. So at 49, I messed up because... I had so much anxiety built up and I was so nervous, like about when I'm going to hit that button, right? It's got to be timing. I'm hovering over that A button. Just it is. And, you, go and you, 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 yeah. you start like guessing. You're like, I think it's going to be on this bite. So I'm going to press it like before I hear the, the boop. And I missed it. And it took everything in me to want to even try again. But I did. I got to 51. I was so excited and I messed up again. <laughs> and I, then and then I was like, I'm done. I, I right now I'm done. I will go back and I will get that sucker because I want it. But like it's it's a it's an accomplishment. And I think it's cool that this game has that where not only are you achieving something that makes you feel good, but you're getting a currency, this Nook Miles new currency, in addition to bells that you can spend 
to kind of reward yourself for in another way. It's, it's just a really cool system. I absolutely freaking love it. And I think that in my opinion, the fact that people are quarantined right now and so many people are just staying at home, there are entire families that are playing this game with multiple switches and such. And, or even like my kids are playing with their mom on one switch and they're taking turns, you know, collecting stuff to make their island better because they all live on it. And it just, it's a, it's such a great chill game. Like for me, I never feel anything. I mean, when I'm going for an achievement and I'm failing like that, yes, I get stressed out. Or like when I'm trying to catch that fish the night before it goes away. But other than that, every time I play this game, I'm calm, I'm relaxed. The music is always happy and soft and everything is cute. And it just makes me feel good to be in that world when the real world is kind of scary sometimes and stressful right now. Yeah, it's definitely just a chill game. No, you, there's no fighting. You're just chilling on your island, going about your daily life. You don't even have a job. You're just trying to recruit people to come to your island and get KK Slider to come to a concert. I mean, absolutely. Oh yeah, you gotta get the concert. Yeah, the, so it's just so chill. The uh, it's interesting. You said there's no fighting. There's no fighting. There's no attacking. No anger. No shooting or killing it's really rare for a video game to not have any of that anymore and it doesn't and uh, we talked about it earlier so they're currently doing their first live event they're going to be doing these all throughout the year seasonally it's easter so an easter bunny showed up and all of a sudden there are eggs everywhere there are six different types of eggs you can get them from fishing from your trees you can get them from rocks and from all over the place man you can dig them up have you been working on getting these eggs and recipes at all? That bunny is creepy. That's, that's... <laughs> I've heard that. I've seen that online. A lot of people have you were seen the, the stuff where <laughs> people put a fence around him and then all of a sudden he's gone. How he somehow no. he got around the he got out of the fence? Uh, is he so, teleporting? Oh, I mean he can hop. He's yeah, really hopping. Yes, you got to put up your fence. These people are that's thinking awesome. Of, but yeah, I started doing it yesterday. I I don't think I've crafted anything yet. I don't think I've determined. What's the point? I was going to look it up. Maybe, maybe even you have a know. Do these, because I've got the recipes. Do they go yeah. away after the event? Does the stuff nope. disappear? So here's the goal for you listening right now who are just now maybe checking this out. There's six different types of eggs. You can collect certain sets. So when you reach the threshold, I don't know what the threshold is, but if you get a certain number of eggs via hitting a tree, then you can craft a three part set of clothes that you can wear with that there's one for leaf that's the tree one or that actually leaf the leaf set is for the eggs that you collect that grow on a tree just like fruit then there's one for sky which is the eggs that you can shoot down from balloons there's one for fishing and there's one for stones i think there's four um, so if you get a certain number of eggs out of stones it'll suddenly register and go hey i can make a stone egg set and it's like a little hat a shirt costume thing and some boots. They're different colors. In addition to that, you're slowly getting these bunny egg recipes that you're talking about, furniture, a wall, random items, and stuff like that. So the goal is to collect all of these eggs and to randomly get all of these recipes before April the 12th. And if you do that and you craft them all, then the bunny will give you a special gift on april the 12th and we don't know what that is because 
obviously, it's not April the 12th. And we can't cheat the game because it's online. So oh, that's pretty oh, cool. Present from that creepy bunny. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. It might backfire completely. <laughs> yeah. But that's that's what the egg event is. I've been grinding it out. I wanted to get it mostly done or get a big chunk of it done so that I can just play normally towards the, the last part of the week and hopefully get it. But I will definitely be going for it. I love this game. I will put in probably hundreds of hours into this game, I would expect. It is the perfect complimentary game for me, right? Where I jump on, I play for 30 minutes to an hour, different times throughout the day, but then I can turn on my RPG and grind and play for three or four hour big sessions if I feel like it. Um, And, you know, I can do that with Animal Crossing too, but generally speaking, it's shorter play sessions. Uh, And it's perfect. I just, I I absolutely love it. I would highly recommend it. Parents, kids, Steven said moms, it doesn't matter. She's playing it. She doesn't know what she's doing. I don't think she's got the ladder yet, and the game's been out for two weeks. And she oh my, have the ladder, but but if but if she doesn't yeah. care, and she'll get it eventually, and that's the thing, you can play this game at your own speed. If you're having fun doing whatever you're doing, that's all that matters. And you know, if you want to hurry it up by trying to get places faster and unlock tools faster, you can. If you don't, and you just want to sit there and fish for an hour for absolutely no reason other than it's calming. You can do that too. So in my opinion, Animal Crossing's New Horizons is a humongous hit. I definitely have it as a game of the year contender for me. And I'll be interested to check in with you in December when you're going to get that string fish and see if you actually are still willing to fire the game yeah, up and try. See if I get that string fish. Yeah. Also, Maybe I got I the downloaded one, so it'll be on my Switch at all times. Don't, don't I have think to worry that's about helpful. Cartridge, so it'll always be there for me to fire Can't it get up. mad and sell it back. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Awesome, man. Well, the last thing we are going to do is talk about what has got us excited in our Get Hyped section. I'm going to let you lead this, Stephen, because I know that Nintendo is near and dear to your heart, and especially our good friend Super Mario. Um, We got the great news this past week that Super Mario is going to have some games remastered for the Switch in celebration of its 35th year anniversary. Now, this is a rumor, I believe still, but it's been kind of confirmed by a million different places. So it's one of those rumors that is basically hasn't been announced in a Nintendo Direct, but it's pretty much solid. So we got this news. They're coming with all these new games. Why don't you tell us what they are? And I got to know, man, like which ones of these are you excited about? So let's start. Let's go back, I think, a year or two ago. And I I made this tweet where I said I wanted them to make a collection of all of the side-scrolling new Super Mario games that they had that was out in the Switch. I mean, the, the Wii, the Wii U, the DS. I wanted this collection of games. They never gave it to me. I was disappointed came out with the new Super Mario Wii U for the Switch. It was fine. Good collection. They have one game, but I wanted all the games. So what did they do this year? They kind of gave me what I wanted, where they're going to give us a bundle of all of the 3D Mario games, and that they're going to get remastered. So we've got Super Mario 64, Super Mario Sunshine, Super Mario Galaxy, hopefully 1 and 2. I don't think they've really said, the rumors haven't said which one's... I don't know if it's one or two. And then they're going to give us a 3D Mario 
uh, Super Mario 3D World with bonus content, new new worlds in that game, and then hopefully a new uh, new Paper Mario game, which that franchise has been needing new games. It's been kind of going on the 3DS, but those games have kind of critically have been not that great. So yeah, we just get this collection of Mario games that are classics. A lot of people consider them classics. Super Mario 64. Launch title for the Nintendo 64. Fantastic game. Played that game for hours. Beat it, played it multiple times. Just a classic, classic game. Super Mario Sunshine. Never beat it. It's kind of weird game. Different game with the flood system. So look, looking forward to giving that one another shot. Galaxy games. Some of the best games on the Wii U or the Wii. And 3D World was a great game on the Wii U that I, uh, that was a game where I played every level to completion before I moved on to the next level. So that was a game that I grinded my grinded out. So I'm really looking forward to revisiting that one. And I know you will like that one, Aaron, because of the cat costumes. Yes, that was where it was introduced, if I'm not mistaken, I believe. I, Correct. I played, yeah, I played it and I really enjoyed it. So I'm looking forward to it. Um, Sunshine I actually beat and I actually really liked. I think it's underrated. A lot of people don't ever talk about it. You're right. It has a weird, a unique system. For me, GameCube controller is like probably my least favorite. I know I'm not. I I know it. (laughs) Yeah, I know. Some people do. I just don't. And so the control scheme didn't make me fall in love with Super Mario Sunshine, but I'm hopeful that like playing it with a pro controller, I think there will be more people that might fall in love with that game. Uh, Super Mario 64 is one everybody I know loves with all their heart, and I don't know if I've ever beaten it. I think I probably played it, but I can't hardly remember it. So a remaster of that one is extremely enticing. And most of all, though, I am pumped for Super Mario Galaxy, and hopefully, like you said, Super Mario Galaxy 2, because they are probably the cream of the crop for me when it comes to modern Mario games. Uh, Odyssey, I think, is great. But it's it takes what Super Mario Galaxy did and gives you more, 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 and to a detriment, I think. Like, in Odyssey, there are so many moons to collect that it becomes pointless, in my opinion. And it doesn't become exciting and interesting anymore. So uh, I want the Super Mario Galaxy games, I think, with the polish of the Odyssey team that they can put on this game it's gonna be absolutely incredible and this is just so exciting it really really is like i don't know and a new paper mario game that's an rpg so you know i'm down for that one i really like that series actually yeah the only thing i don't like about this news is that it's a rumor that leaked i would have loved to have gotten this announcement during e3 when it was originally planned watch this nintendo direct get hyped about it scream yell just get that energy going when you see that announcement because we wouldn't know it was coming. But now it's been leaked and kind of taken that energy, I think, out of that announcement. Yeah, I would agree with you there. It's unfortunate. And I think we're seeing the results of a canceled E3 all over the place. And I think, you know, we're seeing games get delayed. Just The news came out just today that The Last of Us 2 is delayed indefinitely uh, due to, and as well, I think Iron Man VR is as well. Uh, because of the coronavirus stuff. And it's not even because these games are not done. It's because they need them to be successful when they launch. And they're concerned because shipping copies and meeting dates and such. And, you know, copies getting made in the warehouse. There's all kinds of little factors that 
they need this to be financially viable because the games cost so much to make. And so we're just going to start seeing all kinds of changes in this weird year from a gaming standpoint. Well, the other piece of news that I know I got really excited about, and I don't know if you are interested in this or not, but I am a yearly 2K player. I swear by the 2K series. I think it is some of the most phenomenal sports gameplay, probably the best sports gameplay that we have maybe ever had. I don't love everything about that series. This isn't a review of a 2K game. It's got plenty of faults when it comes to microtransactions specifically, but the gameplay core itself is awesome. The visuals of the players are incredible, and it feels amazing to play this basketball game. And we're both basketball fans in general, and we both, like as you said, we're missing March Madness. And one of the things that the NBA is going to be doing, because it's full of gamers, lots of kids that come into the NBA in this day and age have played games all their lives. So they carry that forward. Many of them actually stream on Twitch. And I think this kind of got born out of them doing that. And so NBA 2K has partnered with ESPN and they are holding a 16 player 2K tournament with actual NBA players. So players like Kevin Durant, Trey Young, Donovan Mitchell, Devin Booker, like superstars. Way to leave up the Zags. Come on now. I said superstars. I mean, okay, and Zags, yeah. like DeMontis Sabonis and Rui, and Rui Hachimura. Yeah. Yes, there you Best go. Best players in the NBA. Hey, one of them's on my fantasy team, so I can't disagree. But um, my guy, Patrick Beverly, Razorback is in there too, so we're both represented, my friend. Uh, they're going to be competing in this 16-person tournament. And what's kind of interesting is they got seeded based on their player rating in the game of 2K, which has nothing to do with how good they are at the video game. <laughs> so that'd be interesting then. So it'll be fun, I think, because you're going to see like quote unquote upsets pretty pretty often of like a low seed beating a high seed because their talent in playing this game is not what was used. Uh, this is going to air on Friday, April. What is today? April second. So Friday, April the third is when it's going to start. I think it's going to go throughout the weekend. I have set my ESPN channel to record this. Uh, I'm definitely going to watch it. I may not watch it in real time, but I'm going to watch it. And I'm I'm pretty excited. I mean, I, I don't know that it's going to be the best thing in the world, but uh, ESPN is hurting for content. And we've seen that esports can be a marketable and entertaining thing to watch on TV, if done right. And I think that they have the ability to put their esports arm, which ESPN has been growing considerably over the last couple years, put that production team behind this and make it something that's really fun and just a good a good gap filler for us who want the NBA back. These players want to get back on the court, and this gives them a way to kind of have fun showing off a different hobby of theirs and give us fans something to participate in kind of along with them, something to watch. So I'll be watching it. Will you be checking this out, you think? I probably will just because I always have ESPN on in the background. I think it's on right now in the living room doing something, playing something that's old. I think it was a college dunk competition or LeBron James's kid playing basketball. Like I always have ESPN on. So right now it's been a struggle because, yeah, there's no content. I've almost streamed the entire season of Peyton's Places because there's nothing else on to watch. So I've just been yeah. streaming that every episode, just watching it. And I've liked their esports coverage in the past. I watched a lot of their Overwatch coverage the last two summers. 
kind of how I got into Overwatch was by watching their esports coverage, kind of learning, getting addicted to the game that way. So, yeah, I like watching sports uh, or watching esports on ESPN. So I might check this out. Cool. Well, I mean, I, I'm, I'm excited for it, man. I, and I hope it does well. I really do, because I want esports to succeed in general. And I just think it's really neat that a video game world is meshing with the sports world. For me, who and you both, who we love both. And there are plenty of people who don't. Right. But there are others like us who who do. When we usually game, like you said, with a TV on in the background, we're gaming. We're playing Animal Crossing and fishing, but we got basketball or football or something soccer on in the background we can't do that right now but you know what we can watch some nba players play 2k and it's you know what it's going to make me do is fire up 2k that's what it's going to do that's I put, a big selling point for some people it really is you know i put 50 to 100 hours and it depends on into this game every year every year i say i'm not going to buy it every year i buy it some point and every year i end up just slowly over a few binges or whatever over the whole course of the season i end up putting in that time because I go through periods where I'm like, man, I got to play this game. So it's going to be fun. And uh, we'll see what happens. Do you have any kind of hesitation about the quality of them being NBA players playing the game? Like, like they're not professional esports players like Overwatch is. Do you have any trepidation with that or do you not care? I don't care. I think watching them react and play the game will be the more entertaining part. Because we know them as players, like we, their personalities. To be honest, of the player and himself, personalities will sell the game more than I think so. More than their gameplay. Yeah. If anything, it'll be more interesting in a way because I think when you watch professionals play, they're so perfect. My buddy Jeff, I talked about earlier with the Animal Crossing. He's a 2K player. He could legit be a professional player. Like I'm not kidding at all. He is ungodly good at this game. We'll play it on the highest difficulty level, and without even paying full attention to the game, he'll win by 50. Like he's, he's unbelievable. Like with, with the lowest players on the rating, like he's just good. So I've watched that so much when I'm in person with him. It's boring to me to watch people always make their shots and always do well, you know? And so these guys are going <laughs> to make tons of mistakes and they're yeah. going to talk tons of trash to each other. And I think it's going to be super entertaining. Yeah. I think definitely the trash talk back and forth between the players will be, yeah. Probably the highlight. Should be fun. Well, that's it for us for this uh, long episode. We hope you have enjoyed episode four. We hope that we have done justice to the games we've talked about. Maybe we've triggered you to buy something. Maybe we've just given you some more information on a game that you already love. Who knows? But if you want to check us out further, you want to see what we've done, be sure to subscribe in the feed Wherever you get your podcasts, uh, go ahead and rate and review us. We would appreciate that. Follow us on social media. You can follow me at Aaron L. White on Twitter, A-A-R-O-N-E-L-W-H-I-T-E. I'm actually using that username pretty much everywhere on Facebook and all of my consoles. Where on Twitter can they find you, Stephen? I am at Stephen M. Keller on Twitter. And then you can follow the show at Gotta Be Gaming. We would love to have you. We'd love to hear from you and tell us what you think about the show. Tell us what you'd like to hear more of, what you'd like to hear less of. And until then, just remember that it doesn't matter if you're playing something old or new, you've got to be gaming. <laughs>